0: Hey, what's going on, beautiful podcast family? I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing, and I'm sending you all my love, well wishes, good vibes, and positive intents your way. We've got an absolutely phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have Patricia Garza Pinto on, talking about divine your power, health, and wellness. This is an excellent show. Uh, Patricia is an amazing human being Uh, her story is incredible we talk about why you need to start the basics on the path to healing designing sacred spaces uh, spaces asking your inner uh, child for guidance the power of grounding universal life force energy forest bathing why diet is paramount uh, the human body being a sender and receiver, the trap of fulfilling desires of others, exploring shamanism. Uh, we also talk about her uh, living in this world where she had everything you know going around as a multi-millionaire or billionaire's wife and why she left it all behind and uh, remembering who you are as a part of source creator and creation. this is just a few of the show notes. this is a phenomenal episode. If you like it, please share it as far and as wide as you can. If you want to support this show, please leave a review on iTunes and go to mappelier.com and become a member. You'll see a membership on there where you can contribute. Uh, You can get it for free if you just email me. That's totally fine. But uh, Patreon deleted me. So if you want to chip in three bucks or six bucks a month to uh, keep the show going, that would be incredibly appreciated. You can do that. Um, And for those of you guys who are interested in coaching, you want to work one-on-one with me and you're interested in living your life purpose and making an impact on the planet. You want to learn tools for overcoming limiting beliefs, self-sabotage, imposter syndrome, all these peak performance uh, mindset techniques. techniques to then apply them to your life purpose. If that's something you wanna do, we can work one-on-one, we can do the atomic alchemy group, or I can share with you the soul compass and the quantum heart hypnosis, which are all incredibly powerful and effective processes. So, um, But the most important thing that you can do if you wanna support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. So let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, faith, courage, inspiration, and get ready to enjoy this phenomenal episode with Patricia Garza Pinto. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matthew Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming extreme censorship. So if you want to support this show, please share episodes far and wide. Leave a review on iTunes. Um, but most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Also, if you want to get backed up episodes, go to Um, You can do it for free or by donation because they also deleted Patreon. So uh, if you want to do that, you can do that as well. Um, but let's get into it. Today's guest is an accredited holistic health practitioner, Czech holistic lifestyle coach, and corrective exercise coach, nationally certified fitness specialist, energy medicine healer, shamanic practitioner, and published author of your amazing itty bitty heal your body book, 15 essential steps to heal our body, mind, and spirit. Welcome to the show, Patricia Garza Pinto.
1: Thank you, Matthew. It's a pleasure being here with you.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to get into this. Before we dive in, well, first of all, thanks to uh, our friend Sewa for putting this together. She did an amazing podcast. She's an amazing person. And, uh, you know, she recommended you very highly and I trust her opinion. And, you know, as I look through your, your work and, you know, a little bit familiar with your story, it's just very powerful. And I love how, you know, you're balancing the Czech Institute side with going into the shamanic spiritual, um, practices and making it very grounded. And I think that's really beautiful. So do you want to just start us off with, um, you know, giving the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got into the work that you're doing?
1: Splendid. Okay. Thank you again for having me. Um, Well, I had mentioned earlier that uh, the story is uh, is a a deep story and in part it can be slightly intense. So I wanna premise it by uh, offering a a trigger warning around um, um, stories of sexual abuse and and dysfunctional homes, which is actually where I uh, came from in part. And uh, that, catapulted me into many aspects of life um, very early on I had uh, I had run away several times by the time I was 16 and the last time I ran away my mother wouldn't let me come back into the tribe or home which is something that is uh, traumatic in itself nobody wants to be kicked out of the tribe so uh, I managed to live through that and then by the time I was 19 years old I was already married, and I was uh, four months pregnant and robbed at gunpoint and forced to strip naked. Uh, I was being robbed uh, by two gunmen who wanted the drugs that my husband and I at the time were selling. So hence the tumultuous, tumultuous dysfunctional life. The, uh, the paradox, the flip side of that is that I've totally turned my life around, and I specifically work with women through women's empowerment and I've developed a program called divine your power health and wellness for the 21st century and it's a women's training and coaching program and I work with women who suffer chronic emotional and physical pain helping them to create a stronger body mind and spirit so here I am in this beautiful home of mine that I purchased several years ago and it's called the divine mountain retreat so I work with private clients here and teaching them to to tap into their inner child wound, their shadow. Uh, It is a holistic approach, mind, body, spirit. So I integrate um, eating for their body type based on their ancestors, um, meditation, conscious movement. It's not even exercise, I call it conscious movement now. I have a two car garage fitness studio that I converted to wake up um, their deep intrinsic muscle unit which is a deep source of wisdom and connection. So it's a pretty intense program I developed based on my experience and my healing journey.
0: Wow. Well, that's a <laughs> short story. That that sounds incredibly intense and a very powerful, you know, 180 story, you know, from switching from a lifestyle to, you know, that would create an experience like that to something that's so powerful where you can you know transition and help other people who are dealing with issues maybe as challenging as that or or lesser than and it's interesting because so many people who have had these deep traumas if they're able to integrate them and, you know, have them not ruin their lives, essentially, they become very powerful teachers and healers because only other people who've gone through something like that, you know, are able to really understand, speak the language and offer support, you know what I mean? And so I think that's really powerful what you've done and just even healing yourself and getting to where you are. Um, You know, you do a lot of different work and you've done some, you know, shamanic work and training with Native American and indigenous people and things like that. So when someone is starting the healing journey, I feel like you've got the healing journey to um, get back to square one, and then once you're at square one, then the sky's the limit. You need a you need a strong base to start. And so, if somebody is dealing with, let's just say, you know, something as simple as self worth, or something as crazy as you know, a very traumatic experience, is it a same process, or is it a different process for them to kind of get to a state of wholeness where they start to believe in themselves again, and uh, you know, start to imagine a more positive outlook for their life?
1: Great question. Thank you for that, Matt. Um, it's it's I, I'm not going to say it's generic because it's 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 far from generic. There is a basic foundation, though, and the foundation involves bringing them in back into their body through their diet, through movement, through energy, breath work, um, meditation. So once we have that strong foundation, because if somebody's all over the place and they're in emotional and spiritual mess it's really um, an out of alignment with aspects of self. It's hard to work with them. So starting with the basics, foundations, eating, movement, breath work, you know, sleeping, um, stretching. um, Yeah, everything. So starting with the basic foundation, obviously everybody is different. So meeting everybody where they're at based on their, their own experiences, whether it's a a wound from childhood, which I'm going to say all of us have them to different degrees. Uh, mine obviously is a very extreme degree. Uh, so um, yeah, it's it's basic foundation and then meeting the client where they're at and taking to the next level.
0: Right, and so you do this in a um, you know in a retreat setting. And if somebody's uh, you know let's say by themselves and, and they're a little bit hesitant to even speak to somebody, where's their starting point? Where, what what would you recommend they do?
1: Well, I'd recommend that they find somebody who they can resonate that they can relate to through their heart, because um, we have a tendency to stay in our heads. And when we're in our head where there's a lot of judgment based on my experience, there's a lot, there are a lot of questions. When we are allowed to uh, feel within ourselves vulnerability and, and, and feel that we can connect with somebody safely in that setting, then everything else in my experience flows. I mean, you know, this place that I purchased, it's, it's called the Eagle's View Healing Sanctuary because it does have an Eagle's View. Uh, it is created as a sanctuary from all the artwork that is deeply meaningful to the energy in this place and in the surrounding on my on my land. And it's not a lot of land, but it's enough to, to feel the sacred healing energies. I've had a lot of people come through my doors from family to friends to private clients. And uh, I've gotten so much feedback about how people feel so safe and so much love here when they walk through the door. I had a couple of women different times, different clients come in and within five minutes they were crying Um, and not in a bad way. It was a beautiful opening, a heart opening. And the first time it happened, I asked the client, are you okay, you know, what's wrong? And she says, no, I I just feel so much love here. And my heart leapt for joy because that was my intention. You know, where can we go, especially nowadays in this society, Uh, where we can feel, literally walk through the door and feel like you're at home and feel like like you're at peace and feel as if you're safe, like that inner child is safe and protected. My role as a holistic health and wellness practitioner is to create the sacred space. That's the premise. Because without that sacred space, nobody's going to open up and, and their inner child isn't going to feel free enough to trust you and the space that they're in to open up and begin the healing.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really important point because you know, in a simple way, if you think about going to a gym that has all the equipment necessary, you're in a space to develop your muscles and your physical body, you have every tool that you need. Now, when it comes to emotional healing or spirituality, if you go to, a, especially if you're dealing with a trauma, if you don't feel safe, the person's a threat. So number one, if you have damage, everything's going to be a threat. So you need to be in a, in a comfortable, safe place to even uh, do something. And so when you talk about sacred spaces, some people talk about you know, putting them in their houses, but I know that you've, you know, trained with different indigenous teachers. So one of the things that I liked is they always talk about all my relations, like everything matters, the rocks, even, you know, the, the trees and everything's alive and it matters. And it's such a different perspective to have, you know what I mean? I feel like it's much more integrated as you said. And so what did you learn or what do you understand about how to build sacred spaces for yourself and and some of the teachings you learned? And maybe if somebody wants to build something within their home, because, if we look at the world it's I feel it's like this disconnected thing right you go to an apartment building and you're in these little cubes so disconnected from life and nature and for me i really i'm in a town i was telling you before we started where i really want to get back out to a smaller town that has better access to nature because it feels different it's very different and so now with all the 5g and all the towers and whatever's going on with that it's probably not as ideal as being in the mountains you know you feel that fresh air you feel the space it's just a totally different thing
1: absolutely Absolutely, and that's exactly what is what I experienced here. And I had mentioned also prior to our going live, um, I, I was called up here to this particular mountain. I've been coming up to this space and I'll answer your question in a second. want gonna premise it by saying that I was called here by, by great spirit. Uh, I was coming up here off and on probably for a few years before I actually moved up here. And I left uh, Orange County and you know, the beaches and that whole area uh, to do some really deep, intense healing on my own, because I can only offer my clients what I've given myself. I can only take my clients as deep as I've taken myself, and I've done both—offered um, it to myself and done the the deep work around healing. Um, I would say that if somebody is in an apartment complex and they're moving in, or they're all, even if they're already there and they feel disconnected, the most important thing it feels like it feels like for me to say is to. Create a sacred space for yourself. And that can show up in many ways. So what I would offer would, would be to consider what is important to you, parts of yourself, and ask your inner children, because they're all in you. They're living and breathing in you. And, and and literally, you know, little patty, I call Patricia, little Patty, when I'm speaking to my inner child or my inner children, what do you want? What do you want to feel safe? How can I, how can I guide you into feeling safe and secure and nurtured and loved? So maybe you could set up a, an altar somewhere in your house. I have two, I have one in my living room, on my fireplace, um, uh, whatever it's called, the, um, not the mantle, the, um, the hearth area. I have one in my bedroom, which is more of a family altar. So you can set up an altar with things that are important to you, meaningful. It could be you know, a trophy you, you received as a child and what that represents for you. It could be pictures of your family It could be your favorite flower. It could be a little stuffed animal of a dog or a cat that you had, a a guinea pig or something that, you know, a beloved uh, pet and family pet that you loved as a child and it meant a lot to you. It could be, you know, um, some essential oils of a smell that resonates with you and brings uh, peace and nurturance. Um, It could be anything that's meaningful, deeply meaningful and beautiful. There are no rules. Your heart knows how to meet the needs of your inner child, and yes, we have been extremely disconnected. We've gotten away from the ways of the ancient, uh, the wise ones, and that's why it was so important for me to come up here. The energy is so different in the mountains. And if you don't live in the area of the mountains, or the ocean, or the river, or the creek, or the hills, um, you know, consider taking a trip there and spending the day or a night or two in a tent, or you know, or a rental. And taking your shoes off and going barefoot on the land. Because that way you can connect with Mother Earth, Gaia, Pachamama. You can connect with the beauty and the sacredness and the powerful energy that she has to offer. And it literally comes up through the bottoms of the soles of your feet into your body. And there are many proven benefits around grounding and earthing. So there are many things you can do at home. Um, and when people say, well, I don't live in the mountains or, you know, it's a two hour drive to the desert. Well, you can still go to your local park, take your shoes off, you know, lie down like we used to do as children on the grass and look up at the clouds and, you know, connect, breathe. You know, there's something to that old saying, stop and smell the roses. There's a reason why that saying was brought to us, you know, stop and smell the, the um whatever, you know, the grass, you know, the hay, the pine trees, uh, um, the desert flora and fauna. There's so many things we can do. I feel that, well, in my experience, it feels true to say that our ego can come up with so many excuses as to not to do it. And once we get over the hump and we take the time and energy to go somewhere or even go to our local park and put our feet on the ground or the dirt or the grass, or the beach and the water or the river or the creek, um, we're going to experience ourselves differently. That's how creator designed it. That's why we have access to it. That's why it's here for us.
0: I love all that. You bring up a lot of great points and. I don't know if I've heard this somewhere or it was my own epiphany, but I remember just thinking when I was doing some, you know, a lot of limiting belief work and helping people with, uh, you know, different things that they had in their childhood. Um, it just made me realize that our inner voice seems like a seven-year-old. The, the person that we communicate inside of us is like, it's about a seven-year-old that can function It kind of understands some things. It doesn't understand everything. So when you're speaking to yourself, imagine you're speaking to a seven-year-old. You don't want to be a tyrant. You don't want to be uh, not compassionate. You want to be as kind as possible to that inner voice because that is you and maybe that's our spirit or or something but it does it's interesting when you said you know the inner children and when you're talking about you know the importance of grounding number one is just getting out into nature feels so different you know i lived in the mountains as i told you before and the difference in the way of life, the amount of happiness and joy, the perspective on living in a small mountain town or being somewhere where everything is surrounded by nature to a big bustling city is night and day. And one is much more connected to nature and one is much more connected to the matrix and money and living. And you're, you're, you know, you're like a, it's almost like one of those circuit boards. You're just a piece of energy on that circuit board where when you're connecting to nature, that's life, that's creation, that's more naturally what you are. And So I feel like that is a a massive thing to consider when you're thinking about your life and your location and things like that. And you also talked, talked about the ego just kind of getting in the way and, you know, I remember one of the practices, uh, one of my um, Native American teachers, David Lombear, would tell me he's like, you know, go barefoot, even in the winter, right? And he goes, you know, for your for your prayer, he's just like, you know, just go and and, you know, I would do a circle and then pray in that circle, but make it like a commitment to yourself. And so a few winters in a row, I've done that where I, I run in the winter, even when it's snowy, and even when it's cold, and it's got to like, you know, minus 20. And it's weird that my, my feet, are able to handle it probably because it's just training over time not because of am anything special it's just the first time I did it I did a little bit and then you grow over time right you start with 10 steps put your shoes back on then maybe you can do 20 or 30 but it's interesting how the body adapts but it was the practice of getting in the snow and it just it always connected me and it always you know made me feel more relaxed and even in Japan they talk about forest bathing now and right the studies from going in the forest and to me it just is is common sense and you said um you know one thing I think that's really important is you said you were called by great spirit and i'd love to ask you you know how do we listen to in your in your view to the great spirit the inner voice to be guided by the true creator because my indigenous teachers they'll call it creator um you know and and religious will call it god and then look at the catholic church i'm not too stoked on what what's been influenced there on the you know um on some of the reserves and well like almost all of them and I, I guess I have this fear of like following the wrong thing. You know, like sometimes people said, oh, yoga, if you're doing these yoga poses, you're, you know, calling in the devil or something. I've seen that. And I was like, oh, like, I don't want to do that. You know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want to have flexibility. You know, it'd be cool to put my toe up here, especially for martial arts, but I don't want to accidentally, you know, be misled. And so how do you, um, you know, teach people to hear, you know, the great spirit or the creator? And how do you view that?
1: Okay. Well, the first thing that I would offer would be um, to—I would say—ditch them immediately, but that's uh, unrealistic. Is to um, monitor, limit, limit your intake and connection to anything that has to do with um, electromagnetic fields, um, cell phones, smart uh, TVs, uh, laptops. And yes, we need them to function in this matrix. We're all here, even up in the mountains. You know. I can look over out my side door here, and on the ridge at a distance, I can see some 5G towers, and they travel for miles. Well, you know what? Uh, I used to resist that, and I used to have a story about them, like, dang you, you know? And then I realized that it's uh, more important for me to open my heart and to accept them and the fact that they are here with us. Um, uh, so if I accept that, that these 5G towers aren't going anywhere, then I can open my heart more to love that energy (laughs) because ultimately I feel it's about love. Um, So let me think about this here, Uh, connecting. Okay, so connecting with source. I feel that that is a, a very, it's a practice. And yes, you know, our ancestors before us, before we had any of this, and we were connected to the earth, And to Creator, Source, God, Goddess, whatever, whomever. Sometimes I call it universal life force energy, great benevolent spirit. Um, You know, we were forced to—not forced. It was natural in our DNA, in our in our body to to connect. It was easy to do so. You know, the circadian cycle. When the when the sun goes down, we didn't have all the lights that we have now. Um, So we had a different connection. So the first thing I would offer my I offer my clients is to disconnect as often as you can. And it's easy it's easy not to disconnect because we need it to function. If I want to speak with my daughter I have to pick up my and she lives 2 hours from me and my granddaughter I have to pick up my cell phone to do so. So you know using the headphones using the speak the speakers and you know the the glasses for the blue light on the computers um, many things we can do towards the evening. I have a lot of dim lights in my house. And at night, if if somebody comes to visit me, uh, the first thing I say is, look, uh, you know, I like things dim in the evening. When the sun starts to go down, you know, I have 40 watt bulbs. Um, I don't have any televisions in my house. I haven't watched television for almost 12 years now, nor do I have the desire to do so. So it's about disconnecting from modern technology as often as we can. And then when we are disconnected, taking the time and creating a practice, just like we brush our teeth, use the restroom, eat our food, creating a practice to sustain us to to connect with source creator, um, whether that's in a five minute meditation. And if you're not meditating, five minutes is better than nothing. And it's gonna allow you to gradually increase that just like walking barefoot on the land in the cold. And I have also done that on the snowy trails. Um, And I find the Wim Hof breath, you know, the deep breathing helps. And setting an intention around connecting with creator. Um, Asking your inner self, your soul to please help you open your heart more. Because I feel we cannot open our heart enough. And there are a lot of people that are disconnected from their heart you know, from a source of, from a a point of connecting with others on a deeply compassionate, empathetic level. Uh, Yes, um, going down into the matrix, into the big cities is extremely distracting. Talk about electromagnetic fields that disrupt our physical body and even can cause confusion, um, slight disorientation, frustration, anger, I mean, you know, you have a lot of road rage down off the mountain. You don't have that up here. (laughs) So um, yeah, there are things we can do. And then I'd like to also add that what we put into our bodies is extremely important. I used to be a purist around that. Everything had to be organic. Everything was um, gluten-free, non-GMO. I would uh, combine raw and cooked food with my meals. Every meal had to have a good healthy fat, avocados, Olive oil, um, good raw sprouted nuts, and that's something that a lot of people. You know that, and that is also a discipline and a practice. And that's something that's very difficult for a lot of people down in the matrix. So if we're filling our body with a lot of junk food and toxicity through the food, we are what we eat. You know, so uh, cleaning up the diet as best we can, because there are a lot of people that have a story around it. I understand it around not being able to afford organic food, or I don't have time to cook meals. Okay. uh, So what can we do? How can I meet you there? You know, how can we tweak things here and there to get you to at least be one step closer to a healthier, more holistic, wholesome lifestyle, therefore your inner man or inner woman. So there are things you can do to help disconnect and first and foremost, You know, the the modern technology, um, if you have television, a lot of people are addicted to that, to the television, then I would offer uh, for consideration to limit your intake of television and ultimately, you know, cut it out altogether. The media to me is um, a source of all deep, heavy, negative, dense energies. And that's something that I don't want to connect with also with people you know there are people that are very disconnected and and i don't want to i don't want to say this as a judgment as much as it is an observation on my part you know who do you surround yourself with what do they have to offer in terms of bringing you to a space of being more grounded within your mind your body and your spirit you know if people are surrounding themselves with with um you know, whether it's a a naysayer, a negative thought, a negative word, a negative attitude, heavy, dense energies, uh, that's going to pull you down and pull you away from your center. So being, um, working the practices that help you stay in your center. And for me, that means restorative stretching, Mostly in the morning, sometimes depending on my schedule, I'll do it in the evening or even in the late afternoon. If I'm listening to a podcast, I'll listen to it in the background. I'll be on my mat, you know, whether it's on the floor here or down in my bedroom or in my fitness studio. And I start, you know, doing my restorative stretching, which helps, you know, uh, release stuck energies, right, Matt, you know, breath work, deep belly diaphragmatic breathing that help connect you uh, internally to yourself. And bringing in that powerful life force energy that helps keep you grounded and stable. So uh, there's that drinking half your body weight in really good pure, high vibrational water, um, and uh, and taking care around how you intake that, whether it's through a glass, you know, or a, a glass jug. I have a, a half a gallon glass jug, and whenever I leave, I always take my water with me um, because it's good and. It's great quality, high vibrational living water that's actually run through uh, grounding stones and crystals, quartz crystals. Um, So your water intake is very important. The time you spend in solitude, or at least in quiet, because that's another thing, people um, in my observation and experience aren't used to being alone. And this whole CV thing that started last year was, uh, I feel, I see the light in everything because the, the duality, the shadow and the light, right, is everywhere. What is the light side of what happened last year? The light side is it allowed everybody, had, if they chose it, to go in, within, into themselves. Uh, and it probably disrupted a lot of people who weren't accustomed to doing that. And, you know, in part, I, I, I can say in part, it's kind of easy because I, I do that, you know, I do spend a lot of time alone and I love and honor and respect those parts of self that cherish that and that desire it. And then I also connect with people. Um, so yeah, that's what I have to say about that so far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the, you brought up a lot of great points. And one of the main ones I wanted to touch on is the idea of what, um, we send an electromagnetic frequency and we also receive it and the way that the matrix and you know city dwellers are kind of set up and, and the addictions that come up is just a constant uh, receiving of a manipulated signal, whether it's the television or media or all these different things, it's all these inputs that we're getting and we, and we don't take that time to be in silence to get a message from creation creator uh the natural environment you know what i mean and so why to you know i remember watching bambi like a bunch of years ago and i noticed uh you know when the birds flew up then the deer looked and the deer saw that the birds were flying and they knew something was off everything in the forest is connected so you have this information that um is available to us, but we're not tuning into we're, we're ignoring it. And, you know, I just think about if you were to live, let's say in a cabin, and, and we'll just make it easy on you where you're going to get good clean food and water that's taken care of for you, but you have nothing else, right, and you stay there for six months, the way that you are going to operate after that is totally different versus Um, You know, somebody who is in, you know, a New York City apartment building living the hustle and bustle life. And I'm reminded of this story from Carlos Barrios. Uh, He's a elder friend of mine that's unfortunately passed away. And he he did an elders gathering. I think it was in like the nineties and it was the last one that happened in South America. And he told me the story about this one elder that they, they got. And he, this guy was kind of like the highlight guy. He was like one of their, their top guys. And he was very eccentric and very, uh, they're very happy. He came. And um, so he was like showering at his house and I was talking to his daughter and he just goes, this is dead water. And then he leaves, he leaves the shower and goes into You know, um, you know, local lake and, and showers there. And it'd be so interesting how in tune that person would be after, you know, living his entire life in way of being fully connected to the natural world. And this world that we're kind of speaking of is the artificial world, and what you're sharing are very simple things to do. And it has to be a, a commitment and when you're talking about your limiting your interaction with electromagnetic fields or television or all these things i thought about the word ruthlessly you know really see what you can do to ruthlessly limit those things because now you're giving space for something else and so we need to be able to Uh, make the time to receive whether that's walking walking barefoot you know um, what you want to do meditation you want to do something but we need to open that up just be bored stop turning on the tv and we're not even talking about social media and all these other things and one of the ideas out there now with kind of this matrix world or artificial world with natural living is you know in the bible talks about you can't worship two masters you can't worship mammon uh money and creator creation and so for your path and what you've seen how do you help people move towards a more purposeful life it's beyond materialism right it's you know you're not doing your work to to get more. And I'm sure in your healing journey, you're like, I wonder how I'm going to get a house. I wonder how I'm going to survive and live here and do all these different things. I don't know how, Um, but flash forward to this moment in time where you have a space that you can offer to people where you feel comfortable, where you've designed it from an authentic place, uh, you know, from who you are is very beautiful and uh, a success by your own definition. I feel like that's important. We need to be successful by our own definitions and, most people think well money first how do I do it if I don't have any money but I, I don't see it working that way I, I feel like it has to be connected to the creator first and somehow it ends up working itself out over time after you've done the work or had the experiences necessary to um, you know get to where you'd like to go
1: got it yes um, and Matt could you please answer uh, ask the question again
0: So when we when we think about that quote that says uh, we can't serve two masters, we can't Mm -hmm. serve mammon and creator or God, how do you help people um, understand the world of materialism versus money and how they operate in this realm? Because most people that are in the artificial world in the cities are mammon first, right? Well, this is where the job is. So this is where I'm here. And I'm not, you know, they've kind of shut off that connection with creator and, and who they truly are.
1: Right. Okay. Thank you for that. Well, you know, I always go back to the inner child, the inner child, and and there are questions, you know, depending on the client and their needs, you know, what do you, what would you like? What are you missing in your life? Um, How would you feel safe and nurtured? How would you feel loved? Because through our jobs, we don't feel loved. That is, Mm -hmm. you know, the only way in part right now, anyway. That could change apparently through trading, eventually bartering. But uh, you know, the job represents a pay- represents a paycheck, the monetary aspect. It represents you know taking care of car payments and gas and insurance and food and everything else, clothes for ourselves and our children. So that's all necessary right now. Um, but when you go back to the inner child through your heart, not your head, because these ask the question through your head. Feel it in your body. So I take them through almost like a meditation process, sitting in stillness, just the two of us, whether it's in my living room or here in my little uh, side office. And it's, it's just asking the inner child first, how can you feel safe and loved? Because all the answers are in us. You know, we have a tendency to search outside of ourselves. And that's great when we're first learning and we're first starting on the path. Then there comes a point of mastery. I'm gonna stop searching outside right now because I know how to search for the answers within. So basically working through the inner child because they will, they will rule the roost until we meet the needs of our inner children, our sacred inner children. They will sabotage, they will throw the monkey wrench in, they will retaliate, they will throw tantrums, they will break up relationships, marriages, um, so through the inner child, and the inner child will tell me how, what they need. You know, um, I, I'd like to think of an example right now um, based on a client, and it feels right in saying that uh, one of my youngest clients that came was a 16-year-old male. He came with his mother because he was under 18, and they sat here in my little love seat there and connected with me in this small space here. And uh, all he wanted was to be heard. We all want to be heard and seen, that's all we want. See me, love me. But when we're stuck in the monetary world and all we're thinking about is the next fancy car, or the next fancy phone, we're not connecting with that inner child's needs. And we're uh, shortchanging those parts of self. We're out of balance and not in alignment. So I don't know if I answered your question, but it feels true just to say that.
0: Yeah, I think you did. is very beautiful, and I ask a lot of guests that question, and that's a new answer for me. And I do a lot of work with people to try to help them, you know, connect with who they truly are. You know, I feel if people knew who they truly were, and knew how to, like you said, uh, become their own masters, to find those answers within themselves, and connect with you know the creator that way, without having a um, a gatekeeper, right? Whether the gatekeeper is a priest or even a shaman or someone else, right? It's just, you know, that's why I more resonate with a lot of the indigenous teachers that I've had. And, And I'd love to hear your perspectives on shamanism because now we have things like, you know, ayahuasca and sacred ceremonies and sweat lodges and things like that. So maybe you could touch on that a little bit, but I like how the teachers that I've had has always pointed back to you. Cause you, you have to be the one um, that knows, and I've never really heard someone say, use the inner child to ask those questions, you know, well, yeah. okay. Seven year old, what's that job that you'd want to do? What job would make you feel happy? You know, what kind of life would really fulfill you and, and take that logical uh, mind out of it. And that's that, that battle that we're dealing with or moving from head to heart and yes. in the heart is where you're connected to your spirit and you know, you're eternal and you know, that the creator isn't just going to let you die. Right. And so it's, it's, it's kind of letting that go. It's surrendering to what you'll receive. And I was talking to uh, a friend of mine. who's very, very financially well off because he's playing the mammon game. And uh, he kind of busted out there again. And, you know, the last couple of years have been uh, fantastic for him. And my thought, when he was sharing this because he said you know i don't really feel fulfilled again you know something's off and he's like i don't know where i'm supposed to participate in this world i was like well there's a lot of issues in this there's a lot of challenge in this world which means there's a massive opportunity to participate in a solution that you're called toward. And so when we're not answering that call, because we need that certain amount of money, we're putting all our time, our energy, and our focus yes. into the system. And we need to unplug from that. And what I said is, you know, this is one of the big issues with people transitioning is, say, I don't know what you'll receive. I don't know. You're probably not going to receive what you're receiving now because you're receiving a lot of mm and a ton of it. Uh, so you're probably not going to get that, um, but you will receive uh, fulfillment. You know, you will will receive, you know, your heart and your soul and your integrity and who you truly are, but the creator will provide for you. You're not gonna leave you stranded. You're not gonna be out, you're gonna be provided for, but how much do you actually need? Is it required that you have this multi-million dollar house with these certain cars and a certain bank account and a crypto portfolio and a bag of silver and gold and all is that if you're requiring that and that's how you're steering? there's, it's never going to be enough. It's, you're not going to have enough safety nets. You're not going to have enough income coming in next year. You're not going to have enough savings. It's always going to be this mental uh, problem solve of how do I get more money and whatever that number is, it's not enough. No matter how much you have in there, it's not enough. And I've worked with people who are multimillionaires and to the points of 10, 20, 30 million. And one time the guy says, I'll tell the story I said in my coaching call last week, but, um, he goes, you know, we have this great call. And I was like, you know, what's your purpose? And we we get into it. And I can always tell when they when they hit it, because it resonates and they're excited. And they like you said, they know the answer. I'm not I'm just asking them simple questions. Yes. They know the answer. So the following week, he tells me he's just like, hey, I really enjoyed our call. And, um, you know, after our call, I realized that, uh, you know, I wanted to be a billionaire. And I go, why is that and he goes well it's not because i uh want the money um it's because i can help more people and that's when i he was being authentic and he didn't want it for buying yachts or he did want to have it but that's when i really recognized how strong the 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 mammon disease is the money disease is because he had it he has had a massive abundance Mm -hmm. but now we needed even more abundance to do the thing that we he said it it resonated it lit him up it was uh heart centered it was all the things but then it was like oh he just let it go and uh, Mm -hmm. i was like whoa this is a powerful kind of sickness this is a powerful distortion that not a lot of people can get through so that's not a question but do you want to comment on that
1: i would love to because i actually have firsthand experience with that as well um uh, so many things have gone through my mind so i want to share them all um one of them is and i'm not a bible expert uh, I will share that I have a, a little bit of knowledge. And if I, I recall the story, there's a story um, where a very wealthy man said to Jesus, as Jesus was, you know, teaching and and making his way across you know, areas of Israel, and the rich man said, what, what, I want to follow you, what do I have to do? Because the little part that, that the rich man heard Jesus speak about was so powerful and it resonated with the rich man in his logical brain. And Jesus knew, Jesus saw his heart. You know, Whether you believe in Jesus or not, or it's a story. This is a beautiful meta, um, metaphorical story. Jesus told him, sell everything. No, get rid of everything. The rich man was put off all of my wealth. Yes. And then follow me. Because Jesus knew, you're right. You can't serve two masters. If you're going to get caught up in that game of money and monetary value and what it takes to, you know, um, and the energy behind what it takes to have the next fancy car and clothes or shoes, whatever, then that's all you're stuck in. You cannot reach the other side because you're so focused with all your time, energy, and being the energy construct that lives within you, you can't even experience what it would feel like an inkling of what it would feel like to experience yourself differently in your heart, connected with source, the most powerful energy that created all of us. That's what I'm looking for. So here's my experience. Um, I've been married and divorced twice. My former husband was a very uh, successful real estate business lawyer. One of his clients uh, was, a, and still is, is a billionaire. Um, owned, you know, um, a baseball team in Washington State. And I went on his yacht. It's called the Huntress. It's 185 foot. It's even bigger than a yacht. They're called fed ships when they get bigger than 185 foot. It was 185.4 or five feet. He had a crew of 14. We traveled um, around the Mediterranean and flew on his private uh, G5 to get from Italy to the areas of the Mediterranean where the boat was docked because when they get that big, you can't bring them into these little ports. You have to take a, I can't even remember what they're called. Um, they're not definitely not dinghies. Um, the smaller <laughs> boat with the captain and the first hand, whatever he's called, the first mate, and they come and pick you up on the land. And then they take you out to the, the fed ship. And uh, so I was on that fed ship with a crew of 14 and uh, three other couples. One of the other gentlemen was a billionaire and he was uh uh, uh, the um, head of the, uh, oversaw the European Union. Um, and then the other billionaire was uh, the ambassador to Spain at the time. And this was years ago when I was married to my former spouse. So I've been in that lifestyle. I've experienced it. I've traveled and dined at some of the finest restaurants in the world. Um, and I walked away from it all. You know why? I lived in a house in South Laguna Beach. It was a first house built on the hill in South Laguna It was called Hill House, and it was built by the Eastman Kodak family from Rochester, New York. It was their summer beach house and maid's quarters downstairs and everything. Uh, I lived in that house with my then lawyer husband. And one day when my husband was down uh, out uh, on the big island developing a beautiful, the last development on the big island called Kohanaiki, he was traveling back and forth on business. I had a lot of time by myself. And I remember I started to feel frustrated with my life. I was 49 years old. Something like your friend, your client was missing. I didn't know what it was. And I remember leaving, walking out of my bedroom to go through the living room into the dining and kitchen area. And I stopped dead in my tracks in the living room. And I was led to stand there in a corner of the living room while the sun was setting and the walls were painted like you know, beautiful colors, not just white or beige or beautiful colors. So when the sunset on the walls, um, and on the antique furniture, it had a beautiful, there's a beautiful light, lights in the room. And I stood there purposely, literally like this. And I scanned every single piece of artwork, every single antique, hand carved, you know, antique and sculpture in that room and I looked out through my back courtyard and looked at the beautiful indoor outdoor fireplace I turned around and looked behind me through the view and I was looking out at the Pacific Ocean and I took it all in with my eyes and I knew you're going to walk away from all this because this is not serving you this is not who you are this is not allowing you to truly discover your heart and your true essence because you're so um, distracted in um, in the matrix of uh, the fine dining, the Harlan boutique expensive wines, the yachts, the 5Gs, the whatever. And I made the conscious decision to get a divorce much to my husband's chagrin and devastation at the time. And there was a time Right after, the, after I walked out of that marriage, I was separated from him for a year because we were going to try and see what was going to happen. He was hopefully hoping that I was going to come back to the marriage. And I was having dinner at the time with my friends, you know, with all our fancy cars and big diamond rings. And, and uh, I told my girlfriends at the time, sipping my martini, that I was leaving my husband and they were taken aback and gasped, What do you mean you're leaving? You're walking away from this lifestyle. That's the first thing they said. And I said, I have to, because if I stay here, my spirit's gonna die. So I wanna tell you now that I had no idea how my life was gonna turn out. I was being taken care of all those years by that husband and by what he represented and what he brought to the table monetarily. That was my life. I didn't have to worry about a penny. And the paradox is when I was a young child and a girl and a young woman, I was on welfare at one time and had food stamps as a single parent to care for my daughter. So I've experienced the extremes from the, the poverty to you know working myself up slowly to being married to this wonderful, wonderfully well-off. Um, I call him a king in his castle now. He lives by himself in that house with the dog because that's what he chooses for himself. He can walk away from it, but that's not in his heart's desire. And that's okay, that's his path. I knew I had to follow my path. My heart and spirit guided me. And I didn't know what was gonna happen. I just knew that I had to trust the process and trust that part of myself that knew that there was something greater than myself that I wanted to tap into.
0: Wow. Well, that's a very beautiful and powerful story. And it it just kind of makes me think about, you know, the fanciest and most luxurious of prisons possible, you know, because I've experienced some very beautiful environments, uh, some great luxury. Let's say you get to go on the yacht, right? You got the yacht, you're taking a. You got a helicopter that lands on the yacht. It's super cool. Right. And everything Water. is the maxed out food, but who are you with? Do you like them? Do you not like them? Do you like yourself? Then you get that boat, right? And then you get to go to the finest wine tasting and the finest dining and everything's being served. And you get to drive it for me, like I like cars. So the dopest car, you get to drive it. You got so much money. I don't even care about the police, you know, but it's going to be empty at the end of the day. Because yes. all it is, is it's is in the material realm. It will be fun at first. And, and it will be no doubt about it. It'll be tons and tons and tons of fun, but if you play it out in your mind, if you had all of these luxuries, you know, endless, endless luxuries, you know, there's going to come a point where it's going to be empty because you want to know who you are and you, and you contrast that with building your own life on purpose, consciously. I I like to use the analogy that most people, uh, they just, they, they don't consciously create their life. They're just unconsciously being pulled along to the next opportunity and kind of really being steered towards where can i make the most money you know where's the easiest place to make the most money but that doesn't test who you are what your grit what you're made of who you came here to be what you want to experience what you want to contribute all of them like you said you you said i knew my soul was going to die and i did a podcast with david weiss and he said something that really stuck with me and he said the meaning of life is to not sell your soul and most people would kind of receive that in a way where you look at these musicians that talk about selling their soul and in Hollywood talking about selling their soul and I agree with you about the TV I do think that television and influence and everything out there is the most uh dark thing possible it's it's created by darkness and it intends darkness and that was one of the things with the podcast I wanted to create you know light and conversation and opportunity to have a different input out there. Um, Shoot. I lost my train of thought for where I was going. Um, But may I add something to that? Yeah, Sure. That'll help me. It'll come back to me. (laughs) Okay. I'd like to share also that um,
1: the gentleman that owns the yacht um, last I heard, uh, he he was still alive and this was probably a couple years ago. I asked my ex, Hey, see. Yeah. Anyway, here's the point. All the money in the world that he has and that you know created the lifestyle that he's become so accustomed to could not take away his Alzheimer's. Mm. He's lost his mind. Okay. So is it all is it an illusion? Mm. Okay. Is it real? Can it save you? No. So so and the other thing was he has um one son. He has other children, but the, I'm thinking of his eldest son. And of course, they're all what we would call trust fund babies. And I get that. You know, I have a small trust. Um, the point is that is that he and his son were estranged because his son wanted the money before he was of age, and his father said no. And then they clashed like two titans. I want my money. No, you can't have it yet. And they they never they didn't speak for the longest time. I don't know if they're speaking now. And so there's a lot of, they don't have any different, their problems are no different than somebody without money. See, it just seems like it's, it's more of a, an energetic pull. Like you said, the prison, it's a, it, it, it can turn into a prison. Yes. You know, I know somebody else who was on that yacht with me and, you know, he's suffering from cancer and he's trying to heal it. It's like, wait a minute, we're all going to die. Can we live purposefully? Can we live purposefully? Can we die purposely? That's the question because we're all going to die. Our next breath, Matt, is not guaranteed to us. So I can tell you right now without a shadow of a doubt that if I knew that I had five minutes left to die, I would feel peace in my heart because I've done a lot of work up until this point around healing my wound with my daughter who's 42 years old now. Um, I've learned to become a better, more connected mother with my daughter, therefore my granddaughter. So my, I'm able, and we are all able to heal seven generations past and future, as you know, by doing this deep purposeful work. So are we living purposefully? And what does that mean? Because what that means something different to somebody else. You know, I knew also without a shadow of a doubt because of the trauma that I experienced as a child, and a young girl, and a woman, that uh, my role here is to lift up specifically women, I also work with men, but specifically women, to empower them, to get them back in their bodies and their heart. Because when we're in our bodies and in our heart, we can make better decisions, we can live more purposefully. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, a secret to say that there's a lot of uh, anxiety and depression and, and suicide rates have gone up, All the freaking prescription drugs in the world cannot help that. Why? Because we're missing that void, the connection to creator, the connection in our heart to the land. We are from dirt. We will return to the dirt. So let's connect with the dirt metaphorically and literally.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And and I remember what I was going to kind of finish with, which, you know, Perfect. (laughs) Which, which goes along with what you're saying again is, you know, David said, you know, we, David Weiss said, you know, the purpose of life is not to sell our soul, but uh, it's not in that big way. It's also in the small micro ways in the small little decisions. It's little by little by little, it's death by a thousand cuts. Right. And so you, compromise and compromise and compromise and compromise until you forget who you are and when you forget who you are you're not going to be connected to the source that you know honoring who you are is i think a way to grow your connection with source because i believe the creator and creation and life wants you to be fully who you are to express fully who you are and that's going to um for you be the most fulfilling way to live like when you're going to die because you know it's like did i did i come here and grow in the in the ways that were most meaningful to me and it feels like this whole world is brought up to distract you from that power because if all of us did that it'd be such a harmonious beautiful environment because we'd be fulfilled we'd be appreciative for you know our tasks but it's always what can i get and i give this new um little question that I give people are, are kind of thought experiment when I'm coaching now is they say, okay, design me your perfect job, right? Design me the job uh, that is exactly what you want to do. And I'm a billionaire. So I'm going to pay you 300 grand a year. Is that enough? Yeah. You can live on 300 grand. Okay. Design it perfectly. I'll give you 300 grand a year. Plus the vacation days you need. They design the job in detail. And I say, now go do it. I have no idea how much you're actually going to get paid, but you already know what it is. You know, and you talked about you know this experience of knowing if you die, you're gonna you're gonna be able to kind of be at peace with that. And when you look at near death experiences, you see this uh, uh, these overarching themes of people saying, you know, they don't go, oh man, I I wish I made more money, or I wish I tried to be more successful in business. Is it's all these regrets of not following the things that were truly. Uh, near and dear to them to their heart not not living in an honest and authentic way for who they were and i had that experience too and i was with my partner and you know i've said this on the podcast before so i won't bore people with it but when i thought i was going to die off this edge of this cliff i had to go through my death experience and i thought you know i guess my work is done because you know i can say for sure that what I, I am not as productive as I want to be. I waste a lot of time. I waste a lot of days. I'm really hard on myself. I feel like I could be doing so much more. But the thing that I, that I can at least say is true is that I try and I ask each day to be shown what I can do, to, to please be guided, to show how I can make a difference, to, you know, to try to honor myself and life and creation in, in the best way that I can to uh, provide value you know, because this thing is so much greater than me you know like i have to put on one one pant leg at a time one shoe at a time i have to focus to drive my car i know so little about life and reality and creation and spirituality and what it means to be alive even though i i do the podcast and so it's that honest intent to be guided by something benevolent and beautiful and true and grand that is bigger than me and to want to uh, cooperate with that environment and to go back to again that idea with the indigenous teachers saying all my relation is it's the integration of that right you know i don't want to be bouncing around and chopping down the forest and you know you know ruining the poor beaver's houses i want to be guided to harmonize with all this creation so i'm sitting there and i get to be here too and you're here and it's a very beautiful and magical experience so do you want to comment on that that was just a rant
1: yeah 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 no that's cool Uh, I love the fact that it's all very organic you know it feels very natural for me uh you triggered a story too based on my my experience um my one of my exes uh when he was in high school he used to love uh, woodworking and he made a couple things in high school in the woodworking class um one of them was a beautiful like an inlaid uh pedestal like to put a sculpture on which his mother still has and the other one um like a key, you know, big wooden key, and really nice work in high school. And uh, just like, you know, most people after high school, you're forced on to college, at least the idea of going on to college. I didn't do any of that. Um, and he was, uh, his father was a, a very successful cardiovascular surgeon. And um, he lived in a big house in San Diego and a wine cellar ever since he was a child. So he, he had a taste for life. So he did the right thing as a good boy, and he went off to college because that's what his parents wanted him to do. He shared a letter with me later when we were married that he found. And when he shared it with me, um, I could tell based on his reaction that he was, um, I, at least my experience of his reaction was that he was sad. And the letter was from him in college. He wrote it to his parents. He was up north. His parents are down south there in California. He wrote the letter to his parents and he said, you know, college is okay. um, And I'd really like to get back to woodworking. I want to be a woodworker. His parents were against it and he never fulfilled his dream to be a woodworker. And I know that to be true. That was a void in his heart. He never fulfilled his desire. He fulfilled the desire of somebody else based on the program belief that you need to go to college to be successful, right? So years and years later, after he was an older man, there's an article in the local newspaper where we lived and he showed it to me, he went out of his way and brought it to me, said, look, read this. And it was an article about an older gentleman who was retired, living probably 20 minutes from where we lived in Laguna Beach. And the article was based on the fact that this gentleman after retirement He created this whole woodworking um, office or woodworking shop in his home, and he was making beautiful pieces of furniture. He was being creative, he was following his heart's desire, and nobody stopped him. And so, you know, my ex husband at the time saw it. I said, Why don't you do this? You know, money wasn't an object for my former spouse at the time, still isn't. Why don't you do this? You can build it. Oh, no, I couldn't. I, I can't do that. And to this day, he's never done it. So is that going to be a regret on his deathbed? Wow, I really wish I would have followed my heart's desire. He could still do it. But, you know, everybody's on their own path. So, yeah, it's never too late.
0: Yeah, that's another powerful story. And you're exactly right. It is never, ever, ever too late. And often the universe might uh, throw some sort of harm your way. Like you might lose a job or you might get injured when you're way off course is an opportunity to reset. So it's always there knocking on the door. And sometimes too, for some people, they're supposed to be asleep for exactly how long they're asleep for. And then boink, they wake up and every, a lot of people have that opportunity where they see The light or they see where they can go, but often they get afraid and they don't have the uh, courage or tenacity or spirit to follow it. And so that's really the challenge is to follow that to continue to move into the unknown, you know, following your your heart's desire and who you truly are, but it is always available. Um, there's, you know, this has been really beautiful and I've been enjoying all this. There's one thing I, I definitely want to ask you before we close it. You've, you've sure. worked with different elders and you've worked in shamanism and things like that. And there's a big surgence on, you know, psychedelics and, um, you know, ayahuasca and things like that. And having, you know, you've got shamans in, in Peru that are working with medicines and you've got Native American teachers that work more with the sweat. Then you got a lot of younger ones. I've been to these festival scenarios. You got early 20 somethings with this hair and a bag of crystals call themselves shamans. And it's not the same as the ones that I've seen that are legit and are, you know, freaky, incredible. Like they're just, they're a different person. And again, I don't know if this is the way that I think about things, but like, you know, if you meet, meet like a power builder, that's like a strong man and you see that person and the physical specimens, like I'm a strong man, you are like, yes, you are. You look like a, you know, holy shit, look at you. You know, it's yeah. the same with the shaman most times in a spiritual sense, if you have the, uh, like awareness to be, you sit down and talk to them. And then it's like, whoa, this person is resonating peace, certainty, kindness, compassion, uh, mm-hmm. wisdom, all of these things that just easily resonate. And it's a, it's a powerful thing. So I'd be curious, your, inser- your interest, if someone is uh, curious about shamanism and what it is from your perspective, if they like an experience and your view on uh, the use of a psychedelic, like a, an ayahuasca or even mushrooms or something like that.
1: Okay, thank you for asking. Um, that's some of the work that I do. And it's usually, doesn't matter now, but it's usually something I don't you know, really say. It's, but I do work with sacred plant medicines. Uh, funny thing, I actually have a card in my wallet in the Native American church, which gives me permission to do so. <laughs> so I wanna kind of throw that out there. Um, it's in here somewhere, but yeah. This little, this little card here, I don't know if you can see it, but nonetheless, the small print in the back says, um, based on the First Amendment, she has the right to carry birds of prey feather, to work with uh, uh, plant medicines, and it does state ayahuasca and uh, marijuana, and I think it's peyote. And, but anyway, um, here's my experience of uh, shamanism and um, my belief around that. Um, I don't claim to be a, a shaman or a shamaness. Um, I claim to be a channel for healing. And I claim that I've done such deep shadow work traveling to the underworld within myself that I can hold sacred space for somebody to do so. Um, my grandma, one of my grandmothers was born in Mexico. Many of my relatives were. Grandma Celia was born in, um, in Monterrey, Mexico. She was a curandera, healer. And she used um, universal life force energy. Some would call it Reiki, nobody certified her. She knew what her gifts were and she used them. And so she would heal people with her hands, doing hands-on healing and also using yerbas, herbs, whatever their needs were. She intuited it and and was led to guide them to certain herbs. So that is my lineage. I've taken a couple courses through the Alberto Violdo, uh, the Four Winds Society. And I've worked with other teachers. Um, one of them is Thomas Pinkson. He's a, a, a um, 70, late '70s Weecho, um shaman teacher. He's here in California. So that is my experience. I use the spirit, my grandmother's spirit, and call her in when I do my work, and I know she's with me. Um, and I do agree that that there are a lot of young people that have jumped on the bandwagon of shamanism and crystals and sacred plant medicine. And I use the term sacred very powerfully because it is sacred. Um, I feel that there's definitely a place for it. It's not for everybody. Uh, When I work with clients in that regard, I'm intuited to do so. And I've had conversations with people over the phone and vetting the possibility around working with them. And I've said, I don't think you're ready You know, I'd like to, you know, suggest a a therapist or something. Let's get you more grounded and, you know, and then we'll have another conversation later. The very powerful, beautiful tools, the sacred plant medicines. I don't know if that was enough. (laughs) If that answered your question, ask me more, ask away if you want.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I guess it's the beginning. I think, you know, I see a lot of people explore. I've had different views in my life around uh, plant medicine because I, I, did experience ayahuasca and it was very powerful and, and very helpful and then as time went on I was you know in there before it kind of hit the mainstream and then you know plant medicine and psychedelic medicine really hit the stream and I saw uh, you know some people holding ceremonies that you know really had no business doing it and I think that there's a definitely a danger to that I feel like yes. the ayahuasca certainly has if done correctly in the right environment with the right teacher is a massive catalyst for you to have that awakening Mm-hmm. and then i was disappointed to hear people that oh you did it so you kind of saw you know what i mean i know that you see it you, you you know whatever that is whatever you you cannot not see it but then they didn't walk the path they just went back to what they were doing it was like right. going to a carnival and then you know knowing what you should do and how you should operate for yourself i'm not telling you what to do i just know that you saw that it's kind of like this main difference of i'm going to serve creation fully In my own way. So now you're back doing this and the same thing and and you're not integrating any of it. So it became a little bit disappointing. And then I thought about, you know, I've heard some people say, well, if you mess with that, it can open up into these other entities and these spirits. And uh, there's all these different words for like these, this spirit world to Allow them in and that kind of ooh, cool, like this. Could I have opened myself up to that? I don't know. But the experience that I've had on these psychedelics were very powerful. But I feel like I did them in a in a way that I was trying to honor that. Not mushrooms when I was younger. That was just to see what was gonna happen. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just wanted to see what was gonna happen. And so I guess as I get older, I'm reorienting, you know, my own experience of is that something that I might wanna um use as a helpful tool again or is that something that i kind of put away and i guess i would i would you know if somebody wants to do mushrooms or they want to do ayahuasca or they want to see a shaman how do you do you want to go a little bit deeper after what i said whatever i said or just direct it back to me
1: (laughs) yeah let me think about that um yes i want to say that there are definitely portals that are open um and i have my own experience with ayahuasca um definitely portals set and setting is extremely important you know i've heard stories about people getting together oh i got some you know ayahuasca online or really it's like <laughs> do you realize what you're getting into do you realize the depth and the power of this medicine she's sacred and you're just hanging out drinking medicine and seeing what's going to happen and the same with the sacred ninos the mushrooms You know, I feel that marijuana is a sacred plant, right? So, so yes, you can open portals, set and setting is extremely important. Um, the sacredness of the energy, you know, when I, when I host ceremony, I open up all the directions calling in, you know, all six of them and calling in the spirit of the luminous ancestors, uh, the, uh, jaguar, the hummingbird, eagle, condor, um, Uh, grandmother, grandfather, everybody calling him in uh, for protection and uh, having deep reverence for the medicine is extremely important. I don't feel anybody should be messing with it because it's nothing to be messed with. You know, I knew two people years ago when they had their first and only ayahuasca experience. It wasn't held in a sacred space like that. And for a short period of time, both of them lost their minds. So you can consider that you know uh, a dark source and an entity that came over so it's very important to have sacred to have a heart and set the sacred intention and the setting and then those that come and participate the same and you know, what's your intention working with the medicine are you ready do you have the wherewithal because i'll say it she'll kick your ass she's going to give you exactly what you need you know there's one time when i was in the deepest fear of my life And I remember looking over at a clock in the other room, and it was the longest 20 minutes of my life in that fear. And I begged her to take it away. And I knew why it came up later. And the other, and it had to come up, whatever is in you, she will reveal to you over time. Because there are sometimes on medicine when you're just be in total bliss and Lala, I have butterflies on my wrist. Well, that's great. Because that's a part of who you are. And then there's also the shadow. And man, when that shadow shows up, you better be freaking prepared because it ain't fun. Um, And it's interesting because I don't, um, what what I would call dose out anymore as a facilitator. I I put a drop on my third eye, a drop in my heart and a drop in my mouth because she's in me. You know, when you work with her long enough, the essence, she's in you, you know? So um, very sacred, very powerful, very life transformative. Somebody asked me years ago, when I was working with a spiritual therapist at the time. She, and she had had one experience with ayahuasca down in Peru. She asked me, why do you do so much plant medicine? And I, just, I laughed and I, I said, because when I was in my early twenties, I was trying to discover who I was and why I was doing what I was doing, like selling heroin and working as a prostitute. I wanted to discover why I was led to do those things. And so I invest a lot of time and energy and money in psychotherapy, traditional psychotherapy. None of those therapists took me to where my first ayahuasca ceremony took me. Grandmother took me hard, fast, and deep. And she revealed to me that was in me at a cellular level and a deep conscious level, a memory that I had forgotten since I was 16 years old, which was very traumatic. It was a traumatic memory. My ego or none of the, my ego wouldn't reveal itself, reveal that memory with a therapist and they couldn't draw it out of me. Well, she did, sacred sacred medicine revealed it to me and I was able to heal through that within that time and that night. And the other thing I'd like to add is that when I shared with one of my teachers a little while ago that I was working with the uh, ayahuasca, he said, great, you know, um, and you know, he gave me some tips around. I have another teacher that I work with who's my mentor. And uh, one of the other teachers said you know, um, because it was getting really popular in the West. He said, um, people aren't understanding the depth and the power of the medicine and the sacredness. And I said, I hear you, I I hear you. And he said, and they don't realize it's not the night that you're on the medicine. It's the afterwards, the processing, like you said, the integrating. What are you doing with all that information that you just got downloaded? Is it going to blow your mind? Do you know what to do? Do you know how to integrate it? Are you going to be able to heal through it? And sometimes it happens over days, weeks, months, and even years. So I would offer that it's very, very profound, very powerful, and extremely sacred. I, I bow my head to the sacred plant medicines that are gifted to
0: us. I love all that. I think that's a very powerful answer. I I totally agree with what you're saying and and the sacredness and the power of it. Yeah. Do you know what you're doing? And it's like people think it's like this fun experience. No, no, no. If you want to think about the uh, thing that could the most amount of horror you could ever imagine and you're not getting out and it's only like they let you out when you're ready, you know, grandmother lets you out. And that's kind of why I like you know, they call it grandmother because your, your mother and your grandmother, they'll tell you the truth. They love you, but yeah. they're going to show you the thing that you did wrong or that you need to heal. It's like Buckley's for your soul, but it it's, it's horrible. Like it's, it can be incredibly dark and, and absolutely horrible and facing it full on, you know? So it's not like you're going to this magical mystery land of pixies. Uh-huh. Although, you might get that. And that's really wonderful. It says like your love, your mother's love times a hundred billion. You feel, yes. you know, you're like, oh, this is amazing. It's like, you like that? Also this, like, oh my God. Like, yeah, <laughs> like no, please stop. I mean, I, I, that <laughs> one time when I was in
1: fear, I was just like, I, I, I had a part, my partner was with me at the time and, and I thought it was over because I was doing a lot of work with my partner because he and I at the time were facilitating together. So every weekend we were sitting with the medicine purposefully, not with a bunch of people like in sacred ceremony. We were sitting with it together, with her together, he and I, so that we could facilitate uh, at a higher level and have a deeper understanding of what was happening, right? So you have to have your own experience so that you can show up when somebody else needs you. Oh, yeah, I get that. I, I remember that. Here's what's happening. Let me you know, put him on the healing mat and do this and this and this. Um, and I remember grabbing his hand and I said, please don't leave. I uh, don't consider myself to be uh, a very fearful woman. And she had me on my knees that night. And, uh, and so he had to ground me. And one of the things I'll never forget, and I've used it since, is breath sweeps mind. Get back into your body. Start breathing. Start doing your deep belly breaths. Get back into your body you get out of your head so she was she had mercy on me and um, I remember towards the end of that experience I felt oh god here it comes the fear started to subside 20 minutes whew, and I could feel the fear starting to subside oh god. oh my god you know it's like oh and then I, I felt all the energy come up from literally like under my toenails, up through my body. It was like, I can't even explain it. You'd have to have your own experience with that. Yep. And I could feel her coming up and then I could feel the purge in my stomach. And, and then I just, I somehow managed to grab my skirt up and I beelined it and barely made it to the bathroom. Cause I really prefer private purges. Sometimes <laughs> that's not always the case, therefore the bucket. And I remember when I, I got into the bathroom, I dropped to my knees and um, I didn't even care if the toilet bowl was clean because when you're in that state, (laughs) stuff like that, you don't have stories about, oh, I don't want to touch the lid and put it up. I remember this feeling of this powerful energy just came up and like, and then I just let it all out. And then I kind of just like fell fell on the floor like a rag doll. I said, oh my God, thank you so much, grandmother. Thank you for bringing me through that. And And I flush the toilet and I saw everything in my life that didn't serve me anymore go down the toilet. So it's not always going to be bliss.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, it's incredibly powerful. And like you said, you need... A, an amazing guide, you know, this is not a toy, you know, if you're gonna this you want the best guide and that's where I was a little bit disheartened where I would learn about these retreats and I learned about the guide is like you have that person guiding this. I was like, no, 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 no. It's like, I don't know, going out in the middle of the sea with a a captain and these, like, you know, you're going to get the craziest of of weather and you got, you know, a newbie that barely knows what's going on. You need a master who can help because yeah, there's a chance that you're going to get buckled to your knees and you need help, like proper help that only certain people uh, are equipped and have the knowledge and ability to give you so yeah it is absolutely not a toy so I appreciate all of your perspective around that I feel like that's very helpful for anybody considering if they want to go down that path and understanding uh the benefits but also the severe nature of what it is and I think you need to do enough self-work before you go in and enough intention and you'll know if you're ready um, you know, to do that. And then the commitment to do the follow-up of the integration and, you know, how you're going to do it. You know, the last thing that I want to make sure that I, that I ask you is, you know, right now we're going through crazy times. You know, some people call it the awakening. Uh, some people call it other things from my research and what's written down from these, these people that are, I'll call them just buttholes. They don't have a very nice future lined up for people. It's very terrible. And it's, Freaking horrifying, you know, then I think about creation and creation and life force spirit. I'm like, it's going to be okay. But sometimes I get worried, uh, especially being in Canada, because we're really getting smoked over here. And it's been two years of nonsense. And I don't see it going anywhere. How do you see things? You know, what's your perspective of what's going on on the planet now? And how do you see things moving forward? How do we navigate these times? Because people are losing their job. They're getting oppressed. They're being forced to do things. You know, they've got this plan laid out that's absolutely horrible. In in Australia, for example, they are taking the, you know, from the first time ever, they're going to help, they're taking the indigenous and it'll come for the regular population too from their spot and putting them in concentration camps and force vaccinating. That's happening. It's also happening in Northern Canada. And some of our indigenous are saying that there. So um, so I think it's going to come for the regular population too, uh, to a point. So I'm curious on your perspective on the current times and how we might be able to navigate those.
1: Wow, yeah, thank you. And, and I'll tell you, it's not like I haven't thought about it. Um, there's a, and that that's my left brain ego um, and the person that's in this 3D skin suit body, right? So part of me wants to say, there's a part of me that uh, feels normal when I do think about it. And there's a bigger part of me that uh my higher self uh the divine that lives within me because you are the divine i am the divine we are god God goddess creator great spirit so i remind myself of that of who i really am and that helps me maintain my sense of groundedness um I remember my my practices and rituals that are very important to help maintain my groundedness, which is the breathing, the restorative stretching, staying in the body, because if I'm not in my body, then I'm stuck in my head. I'm really uh, taking extra time to to be in a meditation around my heart. And, and, And so people ask, well, what does that mean? What do you mean be in my heart? Because people don't know, a lot of people don't know what it means to be in their heart. Well, here's the analogy that I give, the example that I give. Think about it. Everybody at least one point in their life had a, an animal uh, as a pet, as a family, beloved family member, whether it was a dog, a cat, like said, guinea pig, bunny, snake, bird. Um, when you first had connection with that beloved pet, how did you feel? especially as a child. Oh my God. It was so beautiful. I loved that little puppy so much. That kitten was so sweet. I would just die for her. That's the feeling I'm talking about being in your heart, that feeling that you have Matt for your child, that deep love, you'd know, without a shadow of a doubt that you take a bullet for your child, that feeling of love. We all have it in us. We just forgot. So, I have to remind myself, because like I said, I'm in this human skin suit. So just like everybody else to stay in the heart, the, stay in the heart. The heart is the strongest energy. The most powerful life force energy is the heart, the space of love that comes from the heart, not the head. Like, I love you. No, I love you so much. That's what I'm talking about. And that, again, is a practice, especially when we're so disconnected with everything that's happening in the world. And then the other thing that I tell myself is, yes, I've heard stories that this is happening here and there. And, and there is a possibility that that's true, because if it's all an illusion, we're making it all up anyway. Then it, it could become a mind screw, right? So <laughs> get out of your head and stay in your heart. Just stay in your heart of love. Work on loving yourself first and foremost, because you cannot give anybody or the world anything that you can't give yourself. Work on loving yourself and being in that space of pure, unconditional love for yourself and all your inner children, and then take that and build it up and then send it out to the world. And I don't know if the Bible prophecies are are true. I don't know if we're going to wake up tomorrow at the blink of an eye and be in a new earth. And everything's going to be crystalline and beautiful and vibrant and full of love. I don't know. But I know what I can do in this human skin suit. I can do my best to stay in my heart space of love. So that's the practice I'm going to ask you all to to consider. Stay in your heart. Practice it. And send that love out.
0: I love that. That is one of the most powerful answers I think I've had to that question I've been asking a lot of people. And the reason why I think so is because even when I observe on the news and I, I think about this for myself often, where I'm looking at what's going on and trending and I see things in a very uh, you know, thousand foot view. And you know, so I want to know what's going on to make smart decisions and all the different things, but also it's not happening to me directly. So I look at what is happening. There are things happening to me directly that are pain in the butt. And I feel like Being mindful of trends is okay, but only to a limit, only to the point of necessarily responding. So let's say out of your whole day of the 24 hours, maybe you spend up to 30 whole minutes looking at it. But that's 30 whole minutes of then the rest of your day is exactly what you're talking about. Heart-centered response. And I really loved that idea of remembering who you really are as an infinite uh, you know, being that has creator within them that, that, you know, is incredibly powerful. So that did that reminder. So no matter what's going to happen in the external and i um, it doesn't matter you know that's going to be not up to you just like if i just get smoked by a car that's not up to me you know what i mean so there's a lot of this that there's the surrender mechanism and i'm reminded by a quote i think it's by marcus aurelius that says you know most men suffer more in their uh minds than they ever do in real life and they had much more intense times as i understand it i think anyway going to war with like you know you know bow and arrows and stuff you got to march into battle and take a bow and arrow to the head like that's not that's not good that's that's a stressful situation to be like i think war is coming and go, oh
1: no <laughs> so, <laughs> right so. and you know the other
0: thing too is that whatever we put our focus on there we are
1: we're going to intensify that energy so if we continue to put our focus on whatever is happening in that in the world around us that's dark and heavy and negative and, and ugly and traumatic then we keep facilitating we keep building that energy up So if we really focus on our heart space of unconditional love and acceptance for all, then we can continue to build that up. We can shift. That's my belief. And all I can tell you is we shall see. And then until then, I'm going to stay here as much and as often as I can. And that means forgiving, being able to forgive people that we feel have hurt and harmed us because that's not unconditional love. If we can't forgive people, So I'll leave you with
0: that. Beautiful. Well, I love that. I think that's an important addition as well, especially in these times are very divided. You can see uh, some people are are not offering that. And it just seems like they've been that's the virus. Their mind has been hijacked. They're getting rid of friends and family and loved ones and all these different things. And, you know, so, you know, I always say my door is open, you know, open to have a conversation. Uh, but you know, unfortunately the hijacking of it's literally the mind, uh, the TV comes in and takes the mind and is just steering these people who are in, in hypnosis. It's a waking hypnosis state and they do have the technology to do that. And it's not that complicated. You know, don't think about an American flag. Don't think about a pink sheep your mind does it because that's how easy it is. So you, you add that with vibration and all these other things and all the other things they know about psychology, it's a very powerful recipe. And so if you're able to stay clear minded in love and centeredness and compassion and also surrender, uh, it's very powerful. And I feel like, you know, like you said, if the creator, could like you talked about that love example, right? For my daughter, like that pet. Well, I feel like that's the love our creator has for us. And if if, if we were put here and we can see this, we're the ones that are going to respond to this situation or we're in this situation to learn and evolve our souls. We're not sure because this has to be a mystery for us to evolve in a way where we made the free will choice to evolve or not. And so that's really critical um, to what's going on here. So this entire show has been beautiful i loved your perspective and and who you are i appreciate you and your work and everything you shared so candidly and beautifully is there anything else that you would like to talk about or you wish that had asked before we close the show
1: um no i I, well no nothing else i'd like to talk about i just want to just reiterate one more times one more time that if we stay in our heart and, and and feel that love for self therefore others then that's what we're going to send out to, to the universe at a at a collective consciousness level. You know, it, We only have two choices, fear or love. So which one will you choose? That's all. Thank you. I appreciate this very much. I appreciate you too, Matt.
0: Uh, well, thank you so much. And I'll just add on one thing. The last podcast I, I did with uh, Dr. Nisha Manik and Dr. P, she said there's this parable in the Bible where Jesus is, I don't know exactly know what happened. She said it, but there was like a a situation where someone's in fear or anger or whatever the case is, and he just said, "Choose again," you know. So if we get to fear and love, choose again, choose again, choose again, and uh, we do have that ability. That's our free will, and so that's it's it's like you said, it's a practice, right? You coming back to one of the additional things is it's a practice to know the creator. It's a practice, right? Just like eating, just like anything you do, the more you practice, the the better you are at it. So practice this remembering of love for yourself and and knowing that you are a part of creation and that you're perfect and divine as you are and moving to the fear you know loving and give that fear to the creator or creation because we've always been in uncertainty you know when you were two years old or five years old and you couldn't function you're still here right you didn't get taken out right so um you know you're being watched over and your time will come when it's necessary and it's not the end it's it's an evolution so honor the life that you have here and the inner voice within you and that i think that will guide you so Mm -hmm. beautiful where can people find you if they want to dive into your work and what you're putting out there
1: thank you for asking the, the best place would be my website and that's uh divine, divine mountain retreat.com it has my contact info my uh, i think it may even have my phone number <laughs> so <laughs> that's fine that would be the best place and it has a little bit more information about my work and what i do here
0: beautiful well thank you so much for coming on and all your work and uh, i just appreciate this Thank you very much.
1: Until we meet again,
0: namaste, brother. (laughs) Namaste. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you later. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, please share this far and wide. Become a member at mattbellaire.com. And uh, follow me on social media, t.me forward slash mattbellaire. And uh, I'm out at, in Ottawa right now and uh, just having an amazing time. So thank you guys for listening. The best thing you can support the show is to do three kind acts. And if you're interested in working with me, just simply email matt at zenathlete.com or go to mattbellaire.com forward slash coaching and would happy happily walk you through any of the coaching, the programs, or support that I can help you with as far as peak performance, living your life purpose, and architecting your reality through your conscious, authentic self. So let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this out. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing, taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, inspiration, faith, courage and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode.